Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Amateur Maxi, bringing you another episode of the Amateur Analytics Podcast. I know it's been a really long time since I've done this. I've just been, you know, busy and stuff like that. Also, I've been reworking on the format yet again of the podcast. I know I've probably changed the format of this so many times, and it's only episode like eight. Um, today, in which I'm recording this, is October 28th, 2019. But uh, yeah, so. I realized while working on this podcast, one thing I really wasn't doing was analyzing things. (laughs) Ironically, and that's the name of the podcast. I've been more so reviewing things and talking about what I like, which is fine, but I want to switch that up. So today's episode is going to be a bit different. Um, For starters, I don't have any music. I have not really been feeling the music game this year. I mean, there's probably plenty of stuff out there that I just haven't listened to, but like, I'm not the biggest music person in the world anyway, but I always tried to come out in here with something that I've been listening to recently, and nothing's really had my attention. Um, no new albums, nothing crazy, but I will still be talking about those things. It's just that I will try to actually do more analytical things on the podcast, given the namesake of the podcast. So that's what we're doing today. Today is actually my first what I label as my first real analysis of something, and I'm actually really excited for it. Um, but with that being said, how have you guys been? Um, hope everyone's been good. Everyone who's listening to this, hope you've been good. Um, like I said, I've been just busy and I haven't really had ideas. Like I said, the big reason I haven't been here was me trying to rework it. But now that I've done that, I'm ready to come back. Like I said before, no music this week. So I'm just going to talk about like some video game stuff. And then we're going to move on to the anime stuff. Uh, the anime stuff is actually my analysis. So hope you guys are ready for that. But yeah, so mainly video games. Um, a lot's been going on. There's been so much going on in the gaming world. There's a lot of stuff with like Blizzard, Bethesda, all this crazy stuff going on with them. Blizzard has the whole Hong Kong thing. I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole thing that I just feel like is whew, a big thing for them. They're in a lot of... They said some things. They did some things that not a lot of people are happy about. And they're getting the heat for it. Bethesda recently just... I feel like tried to in- disrespect their audience yet again, not only by making, not only with like the whole Fallout 76 thing, but now they're adding like some type of like subscription service or something where you pay like $100 a year to play their trash game. So that's, that's funny. That's like a really funny thing in people in Bethesda, man. Bethesda, man, just, they just been had, they just don't care. And I feel like people are still like letting them run how they run without even really calling them out like no one's really calling Bethesda out on their bullshit like it's like it's crazy to me that no one's really saying anything to them but you know it is what it is they're a big gaming company they make millions of dollars so they don't really care as long as there are a few people out there who aren't paying attention just buying whatever they make they're going to continue to do it but those are just little things that, I, that have come up um I have mainly like three things here that I wanted to talk about first of all is the PS5 Uh, The PS5 is rumored to come out next holiday season, which is actually really interesting. Um, I really thought, I know I talked about this probably in the last episode of the podcast, which months ago now, but I really thought that it would have been a smart move on uh, Sony's part to release the PlayStation 5 in the spring of next year. That way, because most, for those of you who don't know, most most fiscal years for companies start in like March. So starting out the year with a strong launch like that would have been cool. And I think it would have been nice because they would have been able to roll in like the bundles and like other things like that later. That's what I was hoping they would do. I honestly thought that'd be the better move. But obviously, you know, I'm not Sony. I'm not a gaming, you know what I'm saying? I'm not a media company, so I don't know what the best move is. <laughs> uh, but it's coming out holiday next year, which is also fine. You know, holiday sales, you got to, you know, you got to bolster the ranks, especially if, you know, they're like, if the Xbox, the next Xbox turned out to be better than the PlayStation 5. Who knows right now? Because we really haven't seen or heard much about the new Xbox and what it's really going to be able to do. We've been getting stuff from the PlayStation 5, which is what I like. We've been getting information and learning about like its specs here and there. Apparently, it's backwards compatible. And there's another rumor. There's another rumor floating around that it might be backwards compatible all the way to PlayStation 1, which 
While that sounds amazing, I really don't think that's going to happen as much as I would want that because that'd be crazy to like have to be able to get PlayStation 1 through 5 games on the PlayStation 5 would be insane. But I don't think we're going back that far. But hey, who knows? You know what I'm saying? We don't really know. They they announced at the beginning of the year, hey, look, PlayStation 5 plays PS1, 2, 3, and 4 games, then the market's blowing up. Like, I think everybody's going to roll out to get a PS5 <laughs> if that happens. We do know it does play PS4 games, though, so that's a good thing. It is backwards compatible with the PS4, which is really good because, you know, for all of us out there who have a PS4, we don't have to give it over our games. I think that's the big problem with this past console generation for a lot of people was with getting an Xbox... Well, Xbox Xbox One is now compatible with the 360. You can get your 360 games, but at first it wasn't. So that was like a big deal. It's like, you know, I have all these games, I spent all this money, and yet I got to pre- pretty much throw away my whole gaming library if I don't want to keep, like, you know what I'm saying? Or I got to, like, have this Xbox 360 sitting here that I don't use anymore. Why can't my Xbox One just play the Xbox 360 games? Or why can't my PlayStation 4 just play my PlayStation 3 games? I shouldn't have to go out. I shouldn't have to keep this bulky old system in my house that eventually isn't going to have Wi-Fi connection. Like, eventually, the the networks and the servers for certain games are going to go down anyway. You know what I'm saying? I should be able to play these these games on the new console. So, it's good to hear that the PS5 is backwards compatible. Um, like I said, I'm excited about that. I don't got to get rid of my games. That's, that's fucking fire. Um, but, yeah, I'm just curious to see where this goes. You know, I think, like I said, Holiday, I, said, I really thought it would have been a strong start. To start in spring, but like I said, I understand why it got moved to holiday. Just because you know you want you want those holiday you want those holiday sales. You know you got the bundles, you got everything set up, so that's what you really want to do. And can't blame them, can't blame them. You know, and then also it gives them it gives them time to make bundles because apparently you know like Final Fantasy VII's coming out, like the remake's supposed to be coming out next year. You got the Last of Us, uh, the Last of Us Two or the Last of Us Part Two, which also that got moved back to May, I believe. But that's coming out, so maybe I'll give them time to make like bundles and stuff like that for the PS5. And you know, there's gonna be a PS5 version of all that stuff. Like, no, that stuff's gonna just be solely on the PS4. I'd be shocked. But um, yeah, that's what we got there. I'm really excited. PS5 gang, you know what I'm saying? P P5. Uh, I'm really excited for that. Uh, the next thing I have on my gaming uh, news stuff. Um, there's a rumor. There's a rumor. This is a rumor. One more time. This is a rumor. That Rocksteady is working on a Arkham Legacy, as it's being called. The Arkham Legacy, which is a new Batman game, which after... It's been a while. Well, not really. It was like 2016 when Batman Arkham Knight came out. I think it was 2016. I could be wrong about that. But it's been a few years. But it's rumored that they're working on a new Batman game. And it, like I said, it is a rumor. And it's a rumor that you'll be able to play as the other members of the Bat family, like Batgirl and uh, Nightwing and Robin and like Red Robin. And I'm curious about this because from what I know, from what I remember, I've never played any of the Batman games myself, um, but I've actually seen them in action. I know like majority of the story. I know the story for all three of them and I know what happens and what you can do. From what I understand though, I think the Bat family in Arkham in arkham city uh bat batgirl's already out because i believe oracle oracle's in arkham city which means that barbara gordon isn't batgirl anymore so she's not she's not batgirl so i don't know how you're this is gonna be like pre batgirl injury it's gonna be post and then you have like uh like we saw nightwing and we saw robin and it looks like this robin is uh i think this robin is um tim drake I could be wrong about all this stuff. I haven't played that game in a while. But my, my thing about it was I was curious to know, like, how are they going to handle, like, playing the Bat family members? Because one thing about these kind of games, and this is also a problem, I'm, also something I'm curious about for the next Spider-Man game, is when you have characters who have similar, thing, like, abilities, what do you do to dif- to make them different? Like, how do you separate them? What What's Batman going to have that nightwing doesn't have or like what's nightwing gonna do that batman can't already do like what give me give me a reason why what reason should i pick batgirl or robin or nightwing over batman himself like i think with batman in the case of batman i think is interesting because it's like you could just have it to where they have less gadgets different fighting styles maybe maybe like uh 
Batgirl isn't as strong as Batman, but she can rack up more combos than he can, or she has better combo potential. Like, she can keep her, her combos going, or she has faster reaction speed, or, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder what they would do to make each character feel unique and make you actually want to play each character. That's the thing. When it comes to these games where you have characters with similar similar abilities, what do you do to differentiate them? And that's the thing I was thinking about with the... Uh, a little unrelated is the Spider-Man game, the next Spider-Man game, because, you know, for those of you who've played the Spider-Man game, spoiler warning, uh, he trains Miles, you see Peter training Miles at the end on how to be, like, swing from building, so it's heavily implied that in the next Spider-Man game, Miles is going to be playable, and it's like, what are they going to do to make Miles different? Obviously, Miles has powers that Peter doesn't, he has, like, the Venom bite, he can go invisible, so those are two things they can make it to where combat will be different, but what reason do I have to pick Miles over Peter and then if Miles does have abilities that Peter has, what reason do I have to go back to Peter? You see what I'm saying? So it's like, with Batman, it's like, okay, you gotta give Nightwing some of, you gotta give us a reason to play like Nightwing or Batgirl, but then you also have to have a reason for us to still play as Batman. If you make Nightwing too overpowered, no one's gonna play as anybody else. If you make Batgirl too overpowered, no one's gonna play as anybody else. It's like, what kind of abilities are you gonna give them that make them different and make other characters still viable like still you know viable to to the gameplay like okay the way i see it is maybe you can have it to where like i said uh batman hits harder but batgirl has better combo potential like she can straight she can get a longer combo streak going like she has better uh reflexes and she can like dodge attacks better like her reaction commands are better the window for it is open more open maybe nightwing um Maybe Nightwing has that. Maybe Nightwing has like a, a higher window of opening for his uh for his um his dodge mechanic. Like you know what I'm saying? Like give us a reason. But then at the end of the day, it's okay. Batgirl has the best combo potential. Robin has or Nightwing has the best like uh reflex counter, like a dodge meter thing, and then Batman has the highest attacking damage. Like, he puts out the most damage. Like, he can take a bad guy down faster. So, like, things like that to make each character feel unique, but also not overshadow the other characters. But it's cool, though, because it's, it's, it's another Batman game, you know? And then I don't think Arkham Knight gave people what they really wanted. A lot of people weren't too happy with Arkham Knight and the way it played. It's really, I heard that Batmobile thing really got annoying. And, like, how, like, Batman's, like, a pretty much driving a tank throughout the entire game. That's all you do. So, so that was kind of like interesting. I thought, you know, maybe they could switch it back up. But to hear this, it's kind of cool. You know, it's like I, I'd be down to actually get into it because I got to get around to actually playing those games myself. Because like I said, I've never played them. I've seen all game. I've seen all the three games in action, but I've never actually played them myself. So getting around to it, hell, if they maybe make like an Arkham trilogy thing for like the new console for then for like when these for when this game gets announced or released maybe they'll announce like an arkham trilogy and you can get all three games like one bundle and play it and play all the games up until this point and that'd be dope that'd be dope i'm down for it i mean i'm down to see it but i'm also a little disappointed in rocksteady though because i i think uh a lot of people were, were hoping they'd make a different hero because we have we know what i'm saying we have these three batman games they're really good batman games but it's like maybe it'd be cool to see somebody else at, at one point, there was a rumor that Rocksteady was making a, uh, I believe it was a Superman game, but they shut that down, which I would have loved to see because I know Superman is kind of hard to do, just given what he can do. You know, Superman doesn't, you know, Superman really doesn't have any, like, aside from obviously Kryptonite, he doesn't, there's not, it's hard to always write Superman stories and give him feasible challenges because if it's not Doomsday or like, Lex Luthor with Kryptonite, not many people are standing up to Superman, but I would have loved to see a studio like Rocksteady tackle a Superman game, given how difficult it is to give Superman a challenge. I would have loved to see it. It sucks that that's, that, that potentially isn't the case. I've also been down for a Flash game. I think a Flash game would have been cool, you know, you know, gotta go fast, you know, running around, this, rolling around the speed of sound like I'm Sonic the Hedgehog, but faster, but is what it is if this rumor does turn out to be true and they are making a batman game i'm down to see like i said how they make each character play different so that's good i'm down let me see it rocksteady like i said it is just a rumor so everything can be taken with a grain of salt but just the idea of it being out there you know you want to talk about it it's like yeah man let me let's talk about this because you want to hear or you want to see what they could do and can they redeem the the fall that was uh arkham knight like i said arkham knight really didn't 
really didn't satisfy a lot of people. And then its PC release was horrible, so they they really have to make up for that if they plan on if they actually are working on another Batman game. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for the Batman rumor. Uh, the next big thing I'm gonna talk about here and probably the last thing I'm talking about for those of you who know if you listen to episodes of this podcast before you already know I fuck with Pokemon all right I play Pokemon all right no shame in saying that I play Pokemon so Pokemon Sword and Shield has been is well at this point is only a few days it's like like two weeks away and I'm I'm on it I'm be honest with you guys I, I'm really excited about this game like I think I don't know if I mentioned it on the last episode uh, when I was talking about it, but I was already kind of looking forward to this game. But the more it's funny, it's like the more the less they show, the more I'm interested, which is weird, because at this time, a few years ago, back when Generation 7 was coming out, and even Generation 6, for that matter, at this time, we had already knew what the final starter evolutions looked like. Like we'd already seen the starters first and second and final evolutions which is crazy because now we don't even know what the stars evolve into we still don't know what their evolutions are and it's like it's mind-blowing to me because it's like they've been keeping a lot of this stuff close to their chest and i like that because it's giving it a sense of mystery it's giving us a sense of like oh snap like what's gonna what are they gonna look like you know what are the stars gonna look like what else is in this game i feel like we have not seen really anything from this game we know a few character names we know a little bit about the Galar region itself, but we have not seen a lot of this. We have, like I said, we still haven't seen Star Evolutions. We, I feel like we've barely seen any new Pokemon. We only have like what I think like three or four Galarian forms shown to us right now, which is crazy because normally, even even with uh, Sun and Moon, when they were showing off Alolan forms, they had already shown more Alolan forms than this. But we don't have anything. There's so much mystery to this game, and I think it's perfect. Like, honestly, I don't really want... I maybe want, like, one more news drop, maybe, like, next week or the week or the week before the games came out come out but i don't want like anything major like maybe the start of evolution that'd be it after that you just got to play the game to see what else is in it i don't want anything else to be to be shown to me but i'm super excited though like i'm really excited like at first the games were looking to be meh but now from com- with the rumors swarming around with all the stuff that they haven't shown and the and the theories building up in our heads it's making the game look a lot better and I'm 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 stupid excited. Like I'm really excited. I can't <laughs> I can't even like just formulate words on how excited I am for this game. I've I actually had a little bit of a Pokemon itch anyway. I haven't had like a every once in a while I feel like playing Pokemon sometimes. So like I I just pick up one of the old games and play it. But I've been able to really go back to the new games. And I think that's one thing that I'm really excited for too. I hope that Sword and Shield does is make me like the newer generations. Like I don't go back to six generation i don't go back to x and y i don't go back to sun and moon like that because i really don't like those games that much they're not bad games i think they're fine but it's like something about the region and the way they play i'm just like like i don't feel like playing these games all the way through again like i i beat them once when they were new i'm not gonna beat them again and that's just that's the sad truth about the last two generations i have not felt like playing i've gone back and played diamond and pearl i just got i just did a platinum i just ran through platinum again not too long ago it's like i'm playing the old games but i'm not playing these newer versions of pokemon when there's so many quality of life improvements that pokemon have made over the years and i want to play this game for those quality of life improvements but it doesn't there's just nothing about the story or the pokemon that are available or the region itself that has me wanting to go back and revisit it like x and y you know it was the first 3d game the only thing that was really cool about it to me looking back on it was mega evolution and the fact that you could finally customize your character sun and moon introduced a few cool new mods but other than that i was I think the island trials were cool, but I wasn't the biggest fan of those. I preferred the gym battle thing, so that's that. But Sword and Shield's looking like the games I can replay. Looking like games that I, when I beat them, I want to go back to this generation and play it over and over again. And I want to talk about something else related to Sword and Shield. So apparently the file size came out for the game. It's about 10.3 gigs, which is really, really big in comparison to other uh, Pokemon games. Just for comparison's sake, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, which came out last year, is like, I think, 5 gigs, or like 4.5 gigs, and this game's almost double that, which has a lot of people speculating on, oh shit, like, what's what's in this game? Like, is there a lot in this game? Is there more in this game than, than Let's Go? Obviously, probably not, 
I think maybe just the the, the like the, the updated graphics and the Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing probably just eat up a lot of hardware space and they couldn't compress the file down any further than that. But I will give you my fan theory on why I think the game might be bigger. So for those of you who know, for those of you who actually keep up with Pokemon, you know that Diamond and Pearl hasn't had their remake yet. Uh, usually every 10 years... Pokemon, or at least close to every 10 years, they'll remake a generation. They remake an old generation. It's been, they remade Gen 2. They remade Gen 1 with Fire Red and Leaf Green. They remade Gen 2 with Heart Gold and Soul Silver. They remade Gen 3 with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. There has not been a Gen 4 remake. The Gen 4 remakes technically should have came out, I believe, in 2007. I mean, 2017. In 2019, which is ironically the year... Which is actually 10 years after Pokemon Platinum came out. Pokemon Platinum came out back in 2009. So now 2019 has been 10 years. So my theory is that the reason this game is so big is because of the fact that there is a second region. They're doing a dual region thing. What I would love to happen is you beat the game. You go around Galar. You do all that. You beat the game. And then you're maybe hop or like one of the other rivals brings you a ticket or leon gives you a ticket to go on a boat that takes you to the Sinnoh region now the reason i'm i'm banking on the Sinnoh region like it's not just it's not just because it was time for those remakes but because it's rumored that the gen 4 starters are the only other starters available in sword and shield which is very interesting so that means you only have the Galorian starters, the Kanto starters, and the Gen 4 starters. How would you obtain the Gen 4 starters? Obviously, someone in the game could give it to you. Or you could go meet Professor Rowan over in Sand Gym Town, which is in the Sinnoh region. And that'd be clean. And there's multiple ways they could do this, right? Like I said, Leon could give you a ticket. Be like, hey, here's a ticket to go visit the Sinnoh region. Boom. You get on a boat. You have, like, in my opinion, maybe two, maybe three places you could end up. Um, you can go straight. To Canalave City, which is actually a dock, which is actually like a, a port town that's in uh, the Sinnoh region. Canalave is where you get on the boat to go to Iron Island. And that whole town is set up to be like a port style town. Like there are ships there. It's a shipyard town. That's what it's set up to be. So that'd be cool. You could come up with the little drawbridges that lifts up to where, for those of you who've played Platinum and been to Iron Island, you know what I'm talking about. Like the drawbridge lifts up and you go to Iron Island. Like I'm saying, you could go, that could be like the little. The little gateway thing there. You could pull up there. You could pull up in Sunny Shore, which is a beach town. Obviously, they probably don't have a lot of docks there, but you know, that could be the first town to go to. Or my favorite one that I've thought about was you could pull up in Snow Point City. Snow Point City, for those of you who remember, is at the top of the region, and there's a boat in Snow Point that takes you to the Battle Frontier area in the game. So that city has a port for the boats and you could pull up at that city and then make your way down to the rest of the region and i think that'd be super cool you get to rebattle all the gym leaders you get to see the gym leaders in their updated models and you get to battle their version of the elite four and champion like in a traditional pokemon game because what we've learned from the new from sword and shield is that the pokemon league is actually how it is in the anime where it's a tournament style league like you actually have to battle multiple people and then you face off against the champion Versus like the old days where you would just battle the Elite Four and then battle the champion. It's reverse. It's different this time. So maybe that'd be their way of capitalizing on the old the old style. Or you go to all the gyms again. You get all the Sinnoh badges. You get all the Sinnoh gym badges. And then you go fight the Elite Four and Cynthia again. That'd be a good way to bring back Cynthia, of course. Because Cynthia's a fan favorite. She comes back in almost every game. So Cynthia, that'd be a good way to bring back Cynthia. That'd be a good way... Just to tie in the Gen 4 remake, which, like I said, is kind of overdue at this point. Now, obviously, it could come out next year, but if they did that, I'm not even going to lie to you. This will be the best Pokemon game ever made, period. I, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Best Pokemon game ever. Ever, ever. It'd be the best Pokemon game ever if they did that. There's like I said, I couldn't, I, it'd be so cool. Like I said, it's such an easy setup. We've seen a town that has a lot of boats and stuff in it. So it could just be a simple, hey, let's go to the Sinnoh region. It's all right, cool. And then you go, like I said, you go there, you go battle all the gyms in the Sinnoh region again. You you meet Arceus, you get to do all this crazy stuff. Maybe you have like a, 
maybe it's been like they could talk about how the how the the Sinnoh region has changed since uh since like the galactic event like, they could talk about it's like yo it's been like 10 years and everyone's grown up and everyone's different like it'd be it'd be such a good way to bring back the Sinnoh region i think it'd be it'd be dope it'd be such a dope way to bring back the Sinnoh region and another theory that goes to that why the file size is so big just in terms of like the second region thing is Kalos. Now there's that train that runs in the Gala region that looks like it looks like we're the looks like it has the same color scheme as the train that we that's in Comorian. Not Comorian City, I forget the name of the city. Um but it looks like the same color scheme as the train that was in Kalos, which could be a thing. I'm down for that. I'd be down for that just because Kalos is actually the only Pokemon game in history not to get a sequel version. Like with red and blue, you had yellow, which was just like an updated and enhanced version of the game where they maybe changed some story elements, added some Pokemon, or like, you know, made the game better. Uh, you had Pokemon Yellow. You had, um, for Gold and Silver, you had Crystal. For Ruby and Sapphire, you had Emerald. Uh, for Diamond and Pearl, you had Platinum. For, for what is it, uh, Black and White, you had Black and White 2. And then when you get to X and Y, it's only X and Y. That's the only journey you have through Kalos. Now, obviously, the Kalos region could be done just because that's closer to, the, like, since Galar is based off the UK and Kalos is based off London, like, they, they're close. So, like, you could have that, you know, be the connection. And I like that. I like that. So, that'd be, that'd be dope to see. But my only confusion about Kalos would be the Mega Evolution thing because that was Kalos's focus was Mega Evolution. So my question is how would they write out Mega Evolution? Now what we've seen Pokemon do in the past, at least with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, is the whole alternate dimension thing, which actually started, I believe, in Oras, where they explained that Rayquaza was actually the first Mega Pokemon to ever exist, which obviously that's not the case because in R Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, there was no Mega Evolution, but they kind of rewrote the story. They're like, oh, well, this is like a different dimension where Mega Evolution was has always been around. So maybe they could write it to where, oh, this is a different... Galar takes place in the other dimension where Mega Evolution never existed or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think it'd be interesting to see, just for Kalos to say, because I think Kalos was a, was a decent region. It just wasn't that interesting as a story. And I think it was a little too easy. But if they were to rework it and, you know, make it better and add do something with Zygarde, you know, we could actually have like a, a decent revisit to Kalos. Now, obviously, everything I said was just fan speculation. I don't think pokemon i don't think game freak is actually gonna make a dual region game ever again <laughs> like i don't think they're ever gonna do the closest you're gonna get is a johto game remake and that's the only you're gonna do region but it'd be dope if they went to the Sinnoh region or to the cows region i'd be fine with either or like i said with with Sinnoh, it'd be make more sense just because you know the rumor of the starters being in the game and like the idea that hey you know like uh those remakes are overdue and then, like I said, wait, wait, Kalos, it's a little difficult just because of the idea that you, um, you have Mega Evolution. And it's like, how would you guys write out Mega Evolution? That's what I'd be curious to see how they work around. It's like, okay, we're going to just, like I said, alternate dimension. Uh, in this dimension, Mega Evolution didn't exist. But like I said, fan, fan, fan theory, what I really want. Obviously, like I said, I think the game size is that big just because, like I said, I think with all the Gigantamaxing and the Dynamaxing, those probably eat up a lot of hardware space. And then with the whole raid battle and the new online interface stuff, that's probably the real reason, like, all the new online stuff that they have. Because they pretty much have it to where, in the wild area, there are Pokemon not only wandering around, but you can also... People can drop in and out of the wild area. If you're connected to the Wi-Fi, random, you'll see other random trainers. So that's probably why the file size is so big, just because they have to run on that idea that, okay, people are going to be constantly jumping in and out of the wild area. That's probably the real reason. But dream reason is that Sinaru is attached to the game and we can go to the center region and um yeah that's kind of all i have on my show notes for gaming let's move on to what i actually have been and proud to finally do um so like i said new format of the podcast i normally talk about anime here and i will i i probably will go back talk about anime like on the next episode whenever i do another episode i'll probably go back to like talking about like the manga and stuff like that but like I said, the namesake of the podcast is called the Amateur Analytics Podcast. I like the point of it is for me to analyze things, and I haven't been doing that. So I've been just like reviewing things and giving my opinion, like how I just did with all these game, all the gaming information. 
but I actually wanted to do an actual analysis. And I figured what better way to start an actual analysis with something I really like or something I've grown to love is anime, obviously. And uh, how what we're talking about in this analysis is the shonen action shonen's mentality of never giving up. As you anybody who's watched an action shonen before knows that most of the time the main every main character main hero never gives up. That's like their thing. They never give up. Asta never gives up. Tanjiro from Demon Slayer never gives up. Luffy never gives up. Naruto never giving up. Like they all talk about never giving up. But I think there's a different side to this whole never giving up mentality that doesn't really get talked about. I haven't heard anybody talk about this side of the never giving up mentality. So that's what I'm talking about. Um, for this specific thing, I'm going to be talking about the big three. And I'm talking when I say the big three, I'm talking about One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach. There is no new big three. Dragon Ball is not part of the big three. For all those people who say Dragon Ball Z is the big three, not Bleach. Dragon Ball is not included in the big three. The big three consists of One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach. Please stop saying that Dragon Ball is part of it. And stop saying that there's a new big three. There's no new big three. There's only one big three. Anyway, but we're going to be looking at the main characters of the big three, which is Luffy, Naruto, and Ichigo. And how the never giving up mentality means something different for each one of these characters and why I think people fans like me and other people out there have grown this type of like admiration for these fictional characters it's kind of crazy to think about when you hear people say you're heroes like you've heard for those of you've been on the internet you may have heard once or twice or you've been the anime community you hear that oh my hero my heroes are Naruto or my hero is Luffy it's like how is your hero a fictional character what have they done what have these fictional characters done to make them worthy of, to make where people actually have admiration for a fictional character. And I think, obviously, like I said, it's the never giving up mentality. But that's riddled throughout Shonen, right? But what separates these three is I think they each represent a different type of never giving up, of the never give up mentality. Uh, for Luffy, I'd say Luffy's representation is never giving up on freedom. Naruto's is never giving up on your dreams. And Ichigo is never giving up on the people you care about, like your friends, your family, stuff like that. The reason I say this is because let's let's look at Luffy, right? Luffy in One Piece, Luffy wants to become the Pirate King. And in his eyes, being the Pirate King means he's the most free man on the in the entire world. He doesn't have to listen to anybody. He can do whatever he wants. And I think that's the idea of never giving up on freedom while luffy you know has the dream of being the pirate king what he's really fighting for at least to me is freedom he wants to be free he wants to be able to do whatever he wants and it's actually shown throughout the series in many ways that luffy not only wants to be free but he also frees a lot of other people around him um if you think about his introduction even just to the basics of like the first early chapters when he met zoro zoro was tied up by the marines not being fed and he was dying what luffy do he freed him he he, tend, he literally freed him um with nami he freed her from arlong essentially like he fought arlong you know he found out what arlong did to nami he went there he beat up arlong he freed nami that was more of a not only just a physical not the same as zoro like he just freed he just freed her from like a post it's like no he like mentally freed her from arlong same with Robin. When Robin was captured by the government, Luffy fought the world government and CP9 to free Robin. Robin, he made Robin say it. Like, he asked, you know, Robin, what do you, like, tell me you want to live. And that was, like, her way of being free. Like, he freed her. He saved her. And even in the recent arcs, like, with Totland and Sanji. Sanji, you know, being manipulated by his family into, you know, marrying one of Big Mom's children, he freed Sanji. He's like, you know, tell me what you want to do. And Sanji said, I want to go home. I want to go back to the sunny. And Luffy's like setting people free. Obviously, he's done it with Brooke. I can't really think of an example with Usopp. Because I'd say he didn't really free Usopp from, like, his village. Like, I mean, he kind of did, but he kind of didn't. Brooke, you know, he took him off. Of, he took him out of the Florian Triangle. Um, 
And then like you have like like Chopper, like you know he you know he took him off of drawing. Like he Luffy has set people free throughout the course of his series, and that's why I think Luffy really speaks the idea of freedom, never giving up on freedom. And that's one thing that a lot of people I feel like overlook with Luffy's character. Like people know that Luffy wants to be the Pirate King, to be the world's most free man, but he that's like what his goal really is. So Luffy represents never giving up on freedom, you know. And then also just other parts of Luffy's character. Luffy doesn't doesn't discriminate against people. Like in in One Piece, there are these there's this race called the Fishmen. Like Luffy's not racist. He doesn't care who you are or where you came from. All he, you know, what I'm saying like it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. Luffy will fight and protect anybody he deems worthy of protecting or fighting for. He doesn't he doesn't care about that stuff because he wants people to be free. He doesn't like the idea of leading people like at the end of Dressrosa Luffy was they wanted you had the whole straw hat grand fleet they all wanted him to take up the mantle as their leader he's like no like I want you guys to do whatever you want and if I need you I'll call for you and that all goes to the idea that Luffy never gives up on freedom even now like in the current arc of the story when he's been when he got taken down by Kaido and Kaido tried to lock him in the prison and like uh make him lose you know like make him give up mentally and then like check out to where he would just oh be obedient it's like no luffy luffy was in a sh literally shackled up and he's in there fighting training to get stronger to free himself because that's what luffy cares about so never giving up luffy represents freedom next we'll talk about naruto naruto's a very interesting one uh naruto represents never giving up on your dreams and i think him and Luffy all in my in my opinion kind of share this one but I think Naruto I think it is a little bit better representation never giving up on your dreams because Naruto in the series actually clarifies that being the Hokage is his dream for those of you who watch One Piece as far as I can as far as I remember I don't think not one time in One Piece has Luffy ever said that his dream is to be the Pirate King he just says he's gonna be the Pirate King like he literally says, I'm going to be king of the pirates. He doesn't say my dream. But in Naruto, we've heard Naruto, at least in part one, say to be Hokage, that is my dream. So the idea of never give up on your dreams, right? He wants to be Hokage. And he also embodies the amount of hard work. So never give up on your dreams. Meaning like he wants to be Hokage, the leader of his village. But he has to work hard to achieve it. So when I look at Naruto in his version of never giving up on dreams, it's like, yeah, you have a dream, right? You believe that you want you want to be whatever it is. You want to be the best basketball player in the world or the best, you know what I'm saying, the best actor. You know what I'm saying? Something. You have a dream. Naruto reminds us that while you do have these dreams, you have to work hard to achieve them. Naruto has said has shown multiple times that hard work pays off. Naruto works hard. He trains day in and day out with his ninjutsu, with everything. He's not a... In, the, in part one, he he talks about how he's a lousy ninja and all that stuff. But, like, he, we've also seen he's always training. He's always working hard. He's working hard to achieve his dreams. He's never giving up on his dreams, and he's working towards it. He reminds us that, yes, you have dreams and aspirations, and that's good, but you need to work. It's hard work. He even says in the series that there are no shortcuts to becoming Hokage. And that's just like in real life. There are no shortcuts to you achieving your dreams. There's no easy way out, no nothing. If you want to achieve something, you have to work hard. And that's what Naruto really represents to me. Naruto, we, like I said, we see it throughout the entire series. To be Hokage is his dream, and he's never slacking off. He's always wanting to train. He's always wanting to work. He's always working hard, getting stronger and stronger. And I think... That's one thing that people really gravitate to Naruto for. You look at Naruto, like I said, and you think about your own goals and aspirations. And it's kind of cheesy, I know, to look at like anime characters and be like, oh, they achieve their dreams, I can achieve mine too. But it's actually, it sounds corny, but it's kind of true to some extent, obviously. But I, like I said, what I like about it is with Naruto, you see that he didn't just was he wasn't just given hokage even after the war when he became technically one of the strongest shinobi on the planet they told him hey look you know you're as far as like your abilities you're more than capable but you need to learn how to be a leader there still was no shortcut he had to go back to school and pretty much he was like a genin 
like the eternal Genin, and now he got promoted to Joni, but Kakashi made him study. He's like, no, you're going to study, and you're going to learn how to lead people, because Naruto, while strong, doesn't know how to lead people very well. So, at the end of the day, and even Konohamaru throws it back in his face, and look, you said it yourself, there's no shortcut to being Hokage. So, Naruto, in my opinion, represents, you know, never giving up on your dreams, you know, and you got to work hard to achieve them, and there's no shortcut to them. That's, like, what really... That's what Naruto, like, represents in terms of never giving up. Lastly, on the never giving up train is my personal favorite uh, anime, uh, Bleach. Uh, The main character, Ichigo. Probably my second favorite MC after Luffy. I really like Luffy, but Ichigo is definitely my second favorite. But Ichigo represents a form of never giving up, which pertains to the people you care about. Your family, your friends. Um... Ichigo doesn't have a dream like Naruto and uh, Luffy. He doesn't want to be like the strongest soul reaper, the king of the soul reapers. He doesn't want that. Ichigo really wants power. The only reason he wants power in the first place is to protect the people he cares about. He he shows this from the beginning of the series. Like in the first episode when he gets his powers from Rukia, it was to protect his little sisters. He wanted that power to protect them, but... Where it goes into the never giving up mentality is that when Rukia gets taken by the Soul Society, she tells him, you know, just stay here. Stay here and die. Like, just just live a little bit longer than you'll die. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like, just stay here. Don't come after me. Don't chase me. But, of course, Ichigo being Ichigo, first thing he does is charge right into the Soul Society. Completely outmatched, mind you. He, it's like him... Orihime, Chad, and Uryu, and Yoruichi versus the 13 court guard squads, but Ichigo doesn't care. He's not giving up on Rukia because, you know, that's his friend. He's learned to care for her and stuff like that, and he represents that you never give up on the people that you love. Like, he, when he charged in to save Rukia during Soul Society, when he went to go save Orihime during Waco Mundo, during the Yurankar arc, like, he... Never gives up on the people he cares about. He's always looking out for his sisters, you know. uh, And I think what it really stems from, honestly, is Ichigo's loss of his mother. Um, Ichigo's mother dies. Spoilers, I guess. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. But Ichigo's mom died, and he felt responsible because he felt that he he wasn't strong enough to do anything. Like, he couldn't prevent her from being killed. So... He wanted the power to protect people and look out for people and do those things. And then, like I said, as he got older, he developed the, the mentality that, no, you never give up on your friends and your family. And this is shown not only through just the series itself. Like I said, you had, like I said, Rukia, Orihime. Um, you also see moments like this with like in flashback, like with Chad, like when him and Chad first met, like him and Chad kind of became buddies. And Chad got captured by these bullies, and then Ichigo busts in. He's fighting like five to one. He beats up like these five guys who had te- who had Chad tied up, and he was outnumbered. But you know he doesn't give up. He fought off all these guys, got pretty banged up, but he fought because he never gives up on his friends. And then he always kind of inspires that never giving up mentality to the people around him, like the people who like become his friends also kind of get that mentality of like never giving up on the people you love and the people you care about. And I just like how Ichigo, like, there, there's something there that, like, not a lot of things, that not a lot of people focus on. Like, not a lot of people focus on, like, or not a lot of anime focus on the family aspect. I think the newer anime that's coming into that is um, Demon Slayer with Tanjiro. We're learning. I think Tanjiro has inherited uh, Ichigo's will in a weird way of, like, he's never giving up on becoming, on saving his sister, in Naruto's case, I'd say the person who took who inherited his will is uh, is is uh, Midoriya from My Hero Academia. He's inherited that dream of I want to be the number one hero. I have to work hard, as we clearly see with Midoriya. He's always working hard to achieve his goal and become the number one hero. And then with Luffy, the idea of freedom, oddly enough, I think is in a weird kind of halfway inherited by Asta from Black Clover because Asta. Like Luffy, doesn't discriminate against people. He doesn't care if you're of low class, high class, none of that matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just wants to, you know, be the Wizard King. And then he said when he becomes a Wizard King, he'll end all that lower realm, higher realm, the rich people being better than the poor people. So, like, 
their wills have been passed on, but these are, I think, the things that draw people to these characters, that drew people to these stories, because you can... You can find, I think you've been able to attach, like, some of your life can come, some of the values you learn in life can come from these things. Like, people look at anime as, like, just, like, this cartoon of, like, oh, this is, like, these characters are fighting and they have weird hair. They have weird hair and stuff like that. Like, no, or they, they, it's all Japanese. Like, no, there's, there's, there's actual detailed, beautiful stories being told through these characters. And each character represents something different. Never giving up isn't just, like I say, isn't just... Well, it's become a shonen cliche, but there's more to it than that. And I think that's where people's love for anime, or at least people who like really look further into anime and get that analytical mind going to anime, where they find their love for these characters. You never give up. Sure, ah, you hear it in every anime. Ah, I never give up. I never give up. But what does it really mean? Luffy, you never give up on your freedom. You never sacrifice your freedom or anyone's freedom for that matter. Everyone should desire in some way to be free. You should be you should have the freedom to do what you want. And to some extent, obviously. But you know, Luffy's ideal of representing never give up on your freedom. Naruto, you have dreams, you have goals, but remember, these aren't things that can be done overnight. You have to work hard. You have to, you know, there's no shortcut. Remember that. There's no shortcut and you have to work hard. Naruto, never giving up on your dreams. And then Ichigo, never give up on the people you care about. Your friends, your family, the people who support you and they trust you. You shouldn't you shouldn't just, you know, want like in Ichigo's case, he wants power to protect and help people. And that's kind of what you should want too. Not necessarily power as in like, you know, maybe not political power. Obviously, you're not gonna have superpowers, duh. But you know, you should want to get stronger to be able to help people, to be able to help the people you care about. Whether that be, you know, being a good advice giver, being, you know, what I'm saying this, all these different things. And they they each represent that. And that's one overshadowing thing. I think the big three really represent that not a lot of people talk about never giving up. But in these three aspects, freedom, dreams, loved ones, each character, I think, so like takes that and runs with it and it's it's displayed all throughout their series even now as i'm i i scripted this for the most part but i still you know i'm still talking off cuff because it's a bit i feel more natural when i talk off just tell me i have like bullet points here but even the more i think about it like they really do represent those three things to me like they really at least from my mind i see those three things like i really see how naruto has to work hard to become the okage i really see how luffy is always freeing the people around him i really see how ichigo is always trying to protect the people he loves and they never give up on that that's their thing they never give up on those specific things so these three and the other thing i had here was just like these three characters have really shaped the way people have viewed manga you know what i'm saying the big three like i said is these three characters like these three have shaped how manga has been perceived how people have gotten into it how people fall in love with it and the way people could take stuff from each of these series and put them into their own life i've adapted all three of these things i think like i've like i said learning that and writing this analysis made me really look at this like wow like this is something that you can really apply to your own life never give up on freedom never give up on your dreams never give up never give up on the people you love and like i said for those of you who aren't really familiar with anime and stuff like that like these these are some of the traits that people why people get so excited why people love these anime like for those of you who've never really been into anime you're always thought like oh you see the anime community you're like oh why are they dressing up like these characters why are they so into this stuff it's like these are some of the reasons why because they're teaching you about life like it's it's an anime sure it's not real but there are there are life lessons in in this in this medium like in this this form of entertainment there are life lessons here there are life lessons about these simple things and while like i said they're simple in nature but they mean so much and over the years the more you've watched the more you get attached to it and the more you see it the more you want to apply it to yourself people like i said people watch these series their whole lives one piece has been going on for 22 years i think one piece came out the year i was born so one piece been going on for 22 years there are people out there who've been reading one piece they're 15 and now they're grown with their own kids and they still look at luffy as like a really cool hero they still believe in luffy or they have like they got they learned something about life from one piece the same goes for naruto for the western audience naruto was the big hit so like we all learned about never giving up from naruto like he always said i'm i'm gonna be okage that's my dreams you know like he always fought hard and worked hard and we all learned that from naruto and i think that's 
where people have attached themselves to these characters. With Bleach, we learned, like I said, a more indirect way, but we learned that, you know, you never give up on the people you care about. You always fight to protect those that you can, protect those that you can and those that you love. And I think over time, like I said, this is why people have grown to love these characters, have fallen in love with anime in general. Like I said, for those of you who don't watch it, this is what, this is a little peer into what is in the mental of these people who do watch anime. If you ever wondered why one of your friends is so obsessed with anime, it's like, oh, you watch a lot of anime. It's like, yeah, because it's not just about characters fighting or cool character designs or fun stories. Like, there are life lessons that are sprinkled in into these things. And I think it started with these three characters and what they represented. And I said, just that idea of never giving up and what these three characters represent in terms of never giving up. And I think that's why, one of the reasons why I love it, you know? One of the reasons why, like I said, I love One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach, and Luffy's my favorite MC. Ichigo's my second. I don't know where Naruto falls in. He's probably my, maybe like, maybe like top 10 somewhere, but it's like, it's more to it than just, you know, just like, like I said, it's more to it than what, than just creative character, like colorful character designs. It's really, there really is something in these anime and it was a simple thing that as a 10 11 year old kid you see on tv and you're like yeah i don't want to give up i'll never give up either you say it as like a joke because you think it's cute as a kid but as you get older it's like no like there's a there's a real you really have to apply that never giving up mentality to your to your life and uh yeah um that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like I said, the big three represent Luffy is freedom, Naruto is dreams, Ichigo is the people you love, and they all represent never giving up. Um, I didn't know how to end this. I just kind of had, like, that was kind of where I was going with that. I hope you kind of enjoyed my little bit of a rambling. But like I said, the more I talk about it, the more I realize. And maybe I'll come back to this later one day with a more detailed revision. But um yeah that's all i got that was my first analysis i hope you guys enjoyed it um if you did enjoy today's episode be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and um you know just stay tuned i will try to be back as soon as possible with another episode probably not like next week but like maybe the week after i'll try i definitely want to actually do an episode around the time whenever i finish uh pokemon sword and shield so i can give you like a little bit of a breakdown of that story and stuff like that there's other stuff i want to talk about um giving the new format of the show is i still want to talk about music in, in anime and video games but i'm gonna go at it a more analytical mindset this time around actually writing scripts and like coming up with ideas and breaking down the, these ideas a little bit differently than what I've been doing before instead of just excuse me Jesus oh my god <laughs> I just burnt uh <laughs> but instead of doing uh reviews we're going to be doing more actual analysis on the characters but yeah guys um if you enjoyed be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend and uh, I am out of here peace <laughs>